I'm ready. Oh, ready? Right now? Sure. Hi, this is Ed Hamill, uh, a.k.a. Hamill on Trial, and you're listening to Radio NWCC. Right, this is Paul. This is Jason. Hello, this is Tess. We're Intisar, and you're listening to NWCZ Radio. Coming to you from the Man Cave, deep in the heart of the Pacific Northwest, you have entered the Northwest Convergence Zone. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Northwest Convergence Zone Show. Big D here with you. And Voxy. The Gimmer. And Double D. And Wonder Boy. Squeezing pants. Got the week off, but hey, it's Squeezing good. pants. Kind of like a mini crew. Squeeze, 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 squeeze them pants. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't squeeze the Charmin. Yeah. <laughs> They're not here, but we are. We've got a hell of a show lined up for you, man. We've got some... Amazing guest, Intasar, Ed Hamill. Later, we're talking to Stuart McLean, Matt Driscoll, and all kind of stuff. But first up is uh, Thomas Sullivan, fantastic author who <laughs> sp- spent a year behind the wheel as a driving instructor. Got a lot of funny stuff that he wanted to share with us. So let's get right into that. This is Thomas Sullivan. All right, everybody. Our next guest on the big program mm-hmm. is author Thomas Sullivan. He's got a fantastic story. There's a great book out called Life in the Slow Lane. And it is all about his uh, experience and stint at being a driver's ed teacher down in Oregon. Uh, you know, <laughs> driving around, you see those cars that have the uh, student driver student driver on top. And it's, you know, whether it's Sears or, you know, Gakamotas or whoever's doing it. I went to Sears, man. You either, you're either breaking, you know, to let them go by or you're chuckling because you remember the day when you were behind the wheel all nervous and everything yep and uh i'm always concerned for the instructor i am too <laughs> so we're gonna find out a lot more about that uh thomas hey welcome to the program hey great to be here thanks thanks for coming in let's talk about you uh, your uh the history of you first though before we get into the book and the driver's ed stuff tell us a little bit about yourself i know you're a teacher and you did some uh some work for the state and so forth. Just give us your background. Well, before I did the driver's ed, I was um, a software teacher teaching people to do like Microsoft Word and Excel. Did that in South Seattle for uh, for a private company, and uh, that was kind of a kind of a strange one. Um, had a good time doing it, but we had kind of a weird weird ending they uh they got shut down for uh federal student loan violations they were <laughs> great imagine were that taking uh, in yeah uh, taking in the federal money uh, sounds like the ron bailey school of broadcasting that's the way that thing went down <laughs> yeah we were using you know just super old computers and super old software and oh, yeah. this tandy works great yeah it was me. like something out of a 50s movie so i <laughs> did that for a bit did that for about a year and a half and i was living in living in seattle at the time and then I shifted to a little better company. We were doing largely the same thing. And uh, it, was a, it was a mother-daughter team that owned this company. And the, uh, the mother went into retirement and turned the company over to her daughter. But then the mother got tired of, I don't know, doing retirement. what? Got tired of, re- yeah, she got retired, I guess, or something. <laughs> and uh, she came out of retirement. And kind of stole away her daughter's customers, so then they ended up in a big, <laughs> big lawsuit, and uh, and then that kind of just made you're that, caught in the middle of that, <laughs> right in the middle of that. So that made that thing evaporate. Who do I be loyal to? Yeah, hard to know. So uh, so after that, we uh, my wife and I moved down to uh, Bend, and I went to school and uh, did some work in GIS, geographic information systems. And uh, became a cartographer down at uh, in Salem, and a cartographer is somebody that takes uh, property tax records, and when you divide a lot, you have to make a record of it. And so we did that that kind of digital cartographer. I would have guessed you were like a photographer of cartoons. I thought that was in Star Trek or something. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> Let's go to our cartographer yeah. right now. Yeah, have you I checked with give the cartographer? Her anymore. <laughs> I was thinking, or maybe the guy that pushes the carts at Safeway. That's the cartographer, <laughs> you, you know. And they have a school for that. <laughs> 
So you're in Bend, and then uh, you find your way down to uh, doing driver's ed? Yeah, so then we moved back to Portland, and that's when I did the cartography job. And uh, I did that for about a year and a half, and then and then left there. I was just kind of got worn down, cruising down to Salem and back from Portland each day. And uh, So I was looking for something different to do, and I found the ad on Craigslist, and it said, you know, driver's ed. Yeah, instructors want it. And I figured, well, you know, I've I've got a lot of teaching I know experience. How to drive. I drive yeah. to Salem every <laughs> yeah. day. And I haven't you know, I haven't wrecked a car in a couple of years, so <laughs> I should be perfect. So so that's how I uh kinda got into it and went in and did uh interviewed and got the job and we do a um uh you do like a two month training beforehand, like half of it's learning you know, all the physical things to do on the road, how to use the brake and issue commands and stuff. And then the other half is just learning the rules. I mean, it's, you know, you have to actually know the driving rules. Because despite the fact that most of us have licenses. We don't know the rules. It's, it's amazing the number of times in class I'd go, oh, you can't do that? <laughs> oh, oh, really? Now, do you have to have a certain certification to be a teacher of driving, uh, of the driver's ed? Like licensed by the state or something? Yeah. You know, a lot of states, um, it's a funny industry because a lot of it is real variable, you know. This state may not have anything. This state might have a lot in terms of requirements and all. And uh, Oregon's quite good, and Washington's good too. And you know they wouldn't you ha- know that by driving around. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Define good, less or more rules. Well, <laughs> uh, just yeah, just more training, you know. Yeah. And, and they teach the kids, uh, you know, or teach the people how to teach the kids. So, so yeah, they have the certification. It's just kind of like uh, two courses, you know. You do that and. You have to have some teaching background and stuff like that. So I assume when you're, uh, you know, you got the gig, you go through the uh, the classes and everything, and now it's time to teach the class. Um, mostly teenagers? Yeah, mostly kids getting teenagers, probably juniors, maybe some sophomores. I think you have to be 16 before you do your you know, your training license. And then you get right, because before license. that, they can have their, um, what do they call permit, it? Learner's yeah, per- permit. Learner's yeah, learner's permit, permit or whatever. But then they have to go at least through some driver's ed. And when I was in school, it was at, it was done at the school. Like when I went to Wilson High, we yeah. had a driver's ed class that you took after school, and it was done by one of the teachers. You had the simulators, yeah. and, and I think we learned on an old... <laughs> car uh, simulators. Yeah. It was, There's the cartographer it was, it was right the beginning there. He's of, the guy that works on the car simulators. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a video game. It was crazy, exactly. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what what's going on now in the classroom for drive, for driving instructing? When you have these, these kids who probably some of them think they really, you know, they know everything about driving, mm-hmm. and then you got the other ones that are so scared, they don't know how to open the door of the car. Uh, how is that? Well, what's the energy like in a class with all these kids? Any test makes someone nervous, let alone you got a kid. I don't know how you do it. Yeah, Go ahead. Yeah. I want to hear it. Go ahead. Well, I actually didn't. I only did the on the on the road part. And oh, they, oh and that's easier. That's yeah. great. You know, yeah. Less nerves. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so they, so they divide it into two halves. And so I just did the, uh, I was just an in the car guy. Uh, so I, to be honest, I don't really know a whole lot about, you the know, classroom, what, right. what the classroom guys do. One thing I do know though, what's kind of interesting is that, you know, they say that, um, and, and totally serious here that, that in kids brains, their uh, their understanding of risk isn't developed as much, sure. and you know so so uh, you know they don't perceive like the danger in a situation as much. And You're that's gonna so- die right here, son. Do you realize this? <laughs> <laughs> this is a freeway. That right, says are, do not enter. Right, we are going the wrong way. <laughs> Proper, proper fear has developed over years of experience. Uh, <laughs> first time you're sit, you because uh, I assume you sit on the passenger side, uh, yep, well, and they they're gonna sit in the. Do you have the brake on the floor? Yep, you just have that. You, you just have the a, extendo brake. Extendo brake, and it's just a big old bar that goes in, kind of disappears underneath, but just connects to to their brake. You know, who's more nervous the first time? Your very first time, you're sitting in there. You get your your students in there. You guys are just about to start. You more nervous, or you think they're more nervous at this it's point? It's probably a tie. You know, <laughs> <laughs> really, it probably is. It is. But well, the way we do it was, you know, I, I would sit in the back seat and run through all the lessons because I got to figure out the routes and figure out what we're doing. And um, so I would, I'd be in the back seat with another instructor 
see each of the lessons. But we, we were pretty understaffed, so it, <laughs> I got through maybe one or two of those, and then boom, it was okay. We just we just need you to you're get, ready. Get up front and go. <laughs> yeah, right. We, you've graduated. <laughs> Woo! So, what's uh, what's some of the hairy moments that you've had while you a uh, student at the wheel? I only had a couple. It was funny. I, I had very few scares, but they were pretty big. I think we just kind of packed them in. Um, <laughs> I had one. We were doing a a final test, and it's, we call it a mock test. And so I'm kind of simulating being the guy at the DMV. So I'm only given turns. I'm not given any hints about, you know, you need to do this, you need to do that. So we come up, and we're coming up to a green light, and it's a solid green. And I tell this gentleman, okay, uh, we just we need to turn left at the next light when it's safe. So we go up there. Guy's slowing down. He's doing great. I'm thinking, all right, we're in great shape. And for some reason, last minute, he just goes. Goes left in front of this oncoming traffic. And uh, there's two cars coming at us. Uh, well, one car and you know, just a big-ass truck. <laughs> and the, the guy in the car slows down, but the guy in the truck is going to like... Gasses he, it. He's, <laughs> yeah, he's going to teach us a lesson. <laughs> and so we get on the middle, and, and my driver, he just kind of box and you know that's happened to all of us you just all of a sudden stuff's coming at you you don't know what to do well what's strange is in those cars is we have instructor you have a brake but you don't have a gas right. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's that was what you the, wanted right there well, that right? was the first oh. time i realized wait we you know, rethink this design here and oh, so so i just had to scream you know go 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 and i never yell at kids you never want to yell at kids but Boy, I just had to scream go, and he punched it. <laughs> Our heads snapped back in the seats. <laughs> and, uh, Mach 5. And we just, yeah, we zipped into the other lane. And Did, uh, you, did you fail him? No, actually, it was funny because... <laughs> uh, See, this is how this shit happens. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the declining standard. <laughs> no, uh, what we did was uh, we pulled over... And talked about it a little bit. Clean your pants out. Yeah. <laughs> change the shorts. And uh, and so I said, all right, we'll just make that a practice. We'll consider it a warm-up. <laughs> you know, the that's a warm-up run. <laughs> so uh, so that was one. And then and then the other one that was close was uh, I had a, a, a boarding student because I was working. Our company was, was serving a kind of a high-end private school. And it was a boarding student. It was a, it was a, a gal from uh, from Africa, and uh, I, I I don't think she understood uh, the language quite as well. And I you know I'd adjust and try to work with it. And uh, so we were going down the road. We were at a big four way intersection, and I said, "Let's take a left at the next light." And she doesn't. There's a turn lane, a left turn lane, and she doesn't get into that turn lane. And so I just say, okay, well, no problem. Let's, Go straight. Let's just take the next one. So we're about, I don't know, maybe 15 feet from that intersection. And she just makes the turn. <laughs> so she just goes right in front of the person stopped at the turn lane. And my eye, you know, my eyes just flash open. And, of course, there's like a milk truck or something, you know, <laughs> gas truck, <laughs> something flammable. No, but there, there's, a, there's a truck coming. And... And and I just I just did a like a kind of a quick break, and and it's funny like stuff slows down. You know when they say like you know when you're falling off a cliff it slows down. You don't really know. Well, it actually does. It does. And and I can remember just slow motion coming in, and hitting that brake, hitting it harder and harder, and just sneaking behind a, the bumper of this truck, <laughs> and uh, and then she shot in and it was a one one uh, one way. And you're always supposed to turn onto the inside lane. And so when we got in there, I, you know, I told, I talked a little bit about the turn, but then I said, but you, you know, you took 
the right you took the inside lane so that was good yeah, pos- <laughs> positive. Yeah, positive yeah always end on a positive what a teacher <laughs> see i'd have been yelling oh, at him. what yeah. the hell you trying yeah. to kill us all holding your left arm <laughs> jesus <laughs> okay but you did okay right. on the end of it yeah. so we're talking with the author thomas sullivan and the name of his book is life in the slow lane and it's a very funny book about his stint as a driver's ed teacher down in Oregon. And um, I, I was listening to, uh, you sent some clips, uh, some, you know, of the readings of your book. And one of them I thought was pretty interesting. You came out and your car was gone. Yeah. Tell us about Philippine. that. Well, we were, um, the, uh, my employer was, was a strange operator. He, um, I guess shady is probably the word, probably more just, just cheap. And, um, <laughs> And so we we didn't have enough cars, we didn't have enough students or uh, enough uh, what do you, inst- instructors, and we had cars dying and stuff. And just to give you a little example, do you remember the uh, when you were growing up that they'd have the cars where the shifter was was on the steering column? Three on the there? tree, yep. Yep. three on the tree. Yeah. Well, I hadn't seen one of those since you know somebody hauled away our station wagon. Sixty nine Nova. Yeah, <laughs> something. <laughs> well, we had we had one of those, you know. <laughs> In the fleet at this time. Wow. So, yeah. So, that, that gives you a little bit of a hint. But um, <laughs> so, we were always running really, really tight. You know, someone would race in, drop the car off. You'd hop in and go to your lesson. It was just kind of on demand. So, so one day, I come into the lot where we park our cars. And I go out and I'm, I'm looking around, looking around for the car I normally use. I don't, I don't see it. Um, you know, but, but then eventually I, I do, I track down the one last car and, um, and, and I'm having trouble getting it to start and I, you know, I just can't. So I call the office and the office calls another instructor. He comes scooting over and, uh, and he gives me the key. Well, I guess, you know, you have keys and you're supposed to make copies off a master. Well, I guess my copy had been like a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. <laughs> so, you know, that was how we ran. So I just couldn't get the car started and all. Well, so we get, the guy shows up, we get the key right, it's turning over, we're all good. And I've got, I had so I had to miss a lesson, call in, you know, hey, sorry, I got to reschedule. So I got some time before my next lesson, and uh, I go, go a couple blocks away, go get some coffee, uh, have a little lunch, Come back out into the lot, and I look down, and there's just no car there. And you know, just like what happened? <laughs> you know what happened? Did the you know the repo company get it? I mean, what's what's going on here? And uh, I think they hauled it away for like junk metal, right? At that point, <laughs> probably, exactly, probably. Yeah, it was a it was a strange one. That that would happen. It was stolen then. Cars for kids. No. Oh. Oh. Sorry. So I. Sh- <laughs> Okay. No, stop it! Cars no, kids. stop it! It's gonna get my head. <laughs> I hate that commercial. <laughs> so, so then I just uh, so I called in the office, and uh, and I'm like, uh, hey, you know, where's the car? And I was just there. It was just there. And so you know, I'm on my phone, and I can hear this like, I can hear this like clacking of keyboards, and I hear like this, damn it, <laughs> more clacking, damn it, and then then finally like I hear this. Huge sigh, and then the owner and manager guy just goes, "God damn it! I hate when this happens." And uh, it turns out like he had assigned another instructor to my car, so I just I was out of lunch. Some other guy came in and was like, "Oh, there's a car. Just took it." That's so <laughs> and that's, and that's how we that's how we ran. Yeah. Uh, so uh, what being an instructor and a lot of people out there. Uh, Probably either getting their kids ready to go into, you know, driving. We also have kids that listen. Yeah. What is what's some advice you have for them heading into driver's ed? Well, for the kids, a couple of things. Probably, you know, the best thing to do is to just force your parents to take you out a little bit before yeah. you start. It's funny, you know, parents. This yeah, is don't a- steal the car and do it yourself. <laughs> right. Have right. them take you out. Yeah, yeah. No, totally. It's... uh but I noticed that the kids that had some time ahead of time in the car, they did a lot better. They were a lot more comfortable and, sure. you know, practiced and stuff. So 
That'd be the first thing is, you know, make your folks take you out. Just go into a parking lot or something. It doesn't have to be on the highway, on the road or anything like that. College parking lots are good. They can get crazy. Mall parking lots after hours. <laughs> yeah. I used to cruise around Cheney Stadium's parking lot, man. Nice. My, uh, my, uh, my, my aunt's uh, Volkswagen Fastback. Learn how to drive that shit, that stick shit. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's a good question. Do you, what do you rec- do? You recommend more that kids learn immediately on a stick, or is it better to have them learn on uh, an automatic? What what is more beneficial to them? Oh, probably an automatic, just because you have less less going with. on. You know, just because you're trying to learn all the basics and the rules and you know the mechanics and things like that. So yeah, you, yeah, keep that stick till till later, probably. Yeah, we're no. talking with author Thomas Sullivan, who has written a book called Life in the Slow Lane. It's a very, very funny book about his uh, his time as a driver's ed instructor down in Oregon. Uh, where can people pick this book up if they if they want to? This would be a great stocking stuffer for the holiday. It's it's a lot of fun. I think teenagers will enjoy reading it because it's got a lot of you know stuff that's relevant to them. And parents who have teens will want to read this book and find out what's going on at the driver's ed school. Yeah. Where can they find yeah. this? I've got a website. It's uh, www.thomassullivanhumor.com. Uh, right now we have it in two forms. Uh, one is an ebook, and then uh, the other is an audio book. Uh, they just finished that up. Um, it's a company down in Florida. Uh, a really great narrator named Skip Mahaffey. He's a radio DJ in Florida. So at this point, those are the, the two formats, and if you go through the website, Find yeah, and we'll have a link to the website on our main page on nwconvergenzone.com. You can click it. It will go over to Thomas Sullivan's website, and you can peruse around on there. You can listen to excerpts of it. You can read excerpts, and then just buy the stupid thing. It's uh, Well, it's not stupid. It's a great thing. <laughs> buy the damn thing. Buy the stupid thing. <laughs> buy the hey. stellar thing. Hey, hey, it's actually a really good deal, right? On Amazon, Kindle, uh, and then the mobile pocket reader and Microsoft. It's four ninety nine, right? Yeah. yeah. That's an amazing deal right there. Yep. Definitely it's a, stocking stuff. It's a lot of, lot, a lot of fun. So now you're back in Seattle now. What are you doing? So now I'm just uh, mostly working on the writing, working on uh, – some other essays to put in a humor book, um, getting out and talking to people about this and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, looking for a little bit of work too. You know, I might do some proofreading or something. So <laughs> kind of, kind of in, uh, <laughs> kind of doing a bunch of things, but at this point not doing any teaching or anything, I might go back into something. Doing, down, doing down some driver's ed stuff at like South Seattle Community College or something. Ooh, exciting. <laughs> <laughs> it's occupied right now, man. It is. All it right. right. Uh, no, that's Seattle Central. That's Central, Central? Uh, Community College. Yeah, up okay. on Capitol Hill. All right. Um, one quick <laughs> question before we leave. I, uh, this is just something I drive for a living. I, I drive a bus, a city bus, and oh, cool. I see lots of cars, but you know, trucks and everything on the road. I've seen everything go down, everything happen. Yeah. One thing I've noticed is that, especially in Seattle, and this could be uh, true in Portland, a lot of major cities, is there, uh, we have a lot of um, people from other countries that come in here and they are, they're adults and they are driving now. Uh, so I was interesting. You're talking about the one uh, student you had who was, what, from, did you say from Africa? I think or so, yeah. Young yeah. Guy. And yeah. so I'm seeing a lot of this where I don't know who's giving them the driver's license, but I don't think they're understanding like the to, how to read the road signs um, yeah. or if it's like a fast track uh, that they just, you know, take them in, well, drive them around the they block. They read the cliff notes. i'm thinking so not that we're all perfect out there but i'm just i see a lot of this where it's like hey it's did you realize that was a red light and they just you know they're not even paying attention they go right through they don't understand the courtesy of the road and so forth like that um in in the driver's ed when you were there and you were doing that did you run across a lot of adults taking classes or was it mostly teens mostly teens but i did a few few classes are just kind of individual sessions mm-hmm. you know out out in the road with adults and uh that kind of thing and you know most of it it's it's funny because it, i thought the kids were just as good as the adults but you know the main thing is for people is just to kind of learn like it's just patience it's mm-hmm. you know it's just if somebody's not turning right maybe they're looking for the street or maybe they're not you know, maybe they don't really understand what's going on. It's it's driving's a funny thing. You know, we 
kind of think of it as our personal space. You know, yeah, exactly. we get all oh yeah, we, we get, get all tweaky about it. And <laughs> my stuff. spot on the road, damn it. Yeah, this is mine, and get your fighter jet out of there. Yeah. I am in a tank. You will get out of my way. <laughs> <laughs> could you tell uh, any of your students? Could you tell they were going to be future road raiders? Uh, you know, ragers? like ragers. Yeah, not raiders. Rangers, Ra- raiders, road ragers, or ragers, whatever. Could you yeah. see that in any of them? No, you know, not so much ragers, but I could tell, like, uh, I remember being in class and they said, uh, they said that when you're teaching, the uh, the athletes are the ones you got to keep an extra eye on. Because for them, it's kind of like a competitive sport. And so that's, you could see that, you know. Because I, I know like when Wonder Boy yeah. got his license, I asked, I actually, I sent an email to the city and asked them to put like a bat signal in the sky <laughs> whenever he was on the road. Like put some sort of tracking device in the car. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, Wonder Boy's out. I'm taking a different route. Yeah, I'm going somewhere else. I agree with that. Else, so. All right. Hey, yeah. Thomas Sullivan, very, very funny author. The, the title of the book is Life in the Slow Lane. Pick it up. It's four ninety nine. Get it on his website, thomassullivanhumor.com. We have a link on our website. Very, very cool stuff. Thanks for dropping in. Hey, thanks so much. Appreciate good, it. Good to talk to you. we're listening to right there is Entisar, and they are in the studios with us that is beautiful stuff and as i'm reading through some of the influences it doesn't surprise me because some of my favorite um artists are listed under there we're talking like tori amos lorena mckinnett a lot of people don't even know who lorena lorena mckinnett is that's amazing stuff beatles october project Intasar is the name of the band. That is some great stuff right there. Welcome to the program. Hello. Hello. It's good to have you in. I know you guys have a show coming up on uh, January 22nd at the Pike Place Market. You're doing the Can Can. Can Can. Yes. The Can Can Room. For the first time. It's a very cool place. It's just fun we're, to say. We're not can, dancing can you? the Can Can. I know. Can you? I can can. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, very interesting background for you, Intasar. Um, I know you go by Tess, but your actually your real name is Intasar, correct? Yes, it is. Okay. Which means triumph. We triumph. found out. We found earlier. that out. Yeah, triumph. Uh, tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about your background. Half Palestinian, quarter Armenian, quarter Welsh. Yes. Uh, grew up around the country. Tell us about that. Well, uh, my parents met while attending the University of Washington. Actually, uh, my father was an immigrant from Palestine, occupied Palestine. And uh, they met and married and had us, my, my brother and I. Mm-hmm. And then they divorced when I was three. So my brother and my mother and I moved around the country. We lived in uh, Virginia and Maryland, a couple cities in California. And then I ended up back here. <laughs> you guys did skip around the country. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how was that going from here to Virginia? I was very young when we made that move. I was about nine That's when we left Virginia. That's probably a good Virginia. thing. Yeah. Well, we lived... <laughs> We lived right by um, Washington, D.C., so we went to the Smithsonian Museum all the time. We lived in a really bad neighborhood, but we in got Washington, to go to the, around Washington? Go uh, figure, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah exactly. <laughs> it was Alexandria. That's crazy. It was Nation's capital. Yeah. <laughs> Only yeah. the finest. 
So then you found yourself in California, and then uh, did you guys come back up to Washington, or was that a move you made on your own? I made the move uh, from California, or actually, we moved from California to Maryland, and then I kind of split off when I was 16 and moved back here to be with my father, and then I just ended up living in Seattle, and I never left. Went to UW? Yeah, I'm going there now, actually. Oh, you're, you're yeah. actually attending there now? Okay. 30 more credits. Oh, <laughs> you know my, congratulations. Do you know my nephew? He's there. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's <laughs> a pretty small place. There's a guy. He looks like you. Yeah, Isn't that totally funny? Me. You can be somewhere else in the country, you know, and they'll be like, oh, you're from such and such? Do you know Jerry uh, Johnson? <laughs> What's his name? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Works down at the McDonald's. <laughs> oh, yeah. I see him all the time. Uh, <laughs> that guy. You're an uh, English major, is that right? Yes. And you're uh, studying uh, poetry. I've taken, I've accepted mostly in, in poetry classes mm-hmm. but I've been I'm basically take, getting a broad degree in English in general now when did you start in, in, on your musical um, journey journey it says you trained yourself or self-taught singer trained guitarist uh, was that at 13 you started taking guitar yes I took about five or six lessons to learn how to play I think E A mm-hmm. and B7 there and you go yeah the basic yeah. chords. <laughs> about every song from the 50s, right? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> and then I just spent... You can play Johnny Cash. You can yeah. play That's everybody. Right. Beatles, everybody. But the most important thing was I learned how to play power chords yes. because I loved Tool and Smashing Pumpkins and Nine Inch Nails. And uh-huh. I spent my whole younger... Like the first half of my adolescence learning how to play Tool songs in my room. And <laughs> oh, right on. Completely <laughs> isolated socially just playing my guitar. So, <laughs> it was uh, great. Now, she's just in her room playing her Tool songs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that crazy gal. Uh, introduce us to your bandmates here. This is Paul Campbell. He's my drummer. Hello. Hello, Paul. How's it going? <laughs> and this is uh, Jason Bucciolato. He's. I'm the new guy. Yeah. He's been playing shows with us, and he's the most steady bass player we've ever had. Ah, Since June. Solid, huh? Yeah. Uh, so tell us a little what bit about... What do you mean about- by steady? Like he plays steady or he shows up for rehearsals? <laughs> he steady? shows up for rehearsals. <laughs> okay. show up. It's yeah. kind of a tentative thing, <laughs> but we're just Something lucky to have about bass players, that it, it seems like the better they get, the flakier they become. Stay mediocre. That might mean that I'm not player. that good because I show up. No, I totally believe that uh, today the bass player is you know yesterday's drummer the new drummer yeah, yeah. the new drummer yeah. you know they're taking they're taking the place as, <laughs> yeah. as as the flakiness they're, they're, yeah. they're taking it's, over it's hard to find a, a drummers a bass are still right there though the no, there's drummers everywhere though finding a bass player yeah, yeah bass bass players are, are mm. rare animals and finding one who actually like isn't just a guitar player who wasn't good enough to, to be play the guitar, guitar. Yeah. Uh, yeah because a drummer they're right. They, they want to play with you because you know what? Anything to get themselves off of their girlfriend's couch, they're right. ready to go. Oh, <laughs> oh, hey, oh, well, I'm, I'm married, so I, I took care of that one. No, oh, wow. Hey, Paul and Jason, tell us a little bit about your background. How long have you been playing? What you've been, are you guys, uh, you know, local guys? You've been playing in bands uh, around actually, here? Actually, um, uh, I've kind of followed some of the same trajectory as uh, Tess. My dad was military. So uh, moved around the country, the world. You know, I went to I think uh, nine different schools in ten different years, and um, went to college in Germany. And then a bunch of guys I went to school with in Germany ended up here in Seattle. So uh, once I didn't have to basically move with the parents, uh, you know, uh, the wife and I decided to, to move up here to Seattle and. I basically came up here to play music and been playing music for about 26 years. And Awesome. Uh, then um, actually met Tess at one of those friends that from that group from Germany over at his house at a musical jam. And um, that was about four years ago, five years ago. Yeah. And, uh, you know, starting out, it was just the two of us kind of uh, uh, white stripes style, just drums and guitar. And then... You know, we've brought people in, uh, violin players, cello players, Jason, you know, backup singers, backup guitar players, and had some guests. But uh, now, you know, it's pretty, uh, feels pretty good and solid the way it is. Uh, Jason, now is this, so this group is, you're the new guy. Is this a stretch for you or is this a... Uh, I've played bass for a little while. I've been playing music for about 20 years. I'm a self-taught guitarist mostly. 
first but um oh see there we go back to no but, but he actually he <laughs> what do you mean that's not a b chord <laughs> he uh uh he he's one of the few guys that that actually when he picks up a bass he becomes a bass player he i'm trying know, to be the link between he, her guitar and his drum set kind of like nice. well he actually plays guitar more yeah. like he plays bass because he plays without a pick and plays finger style almost mark knopfler yeah you know uh reminds me a lot of uh like uh steely dan when he plays guitar mm, nice. so and i saw these guys playing together one time and like tess has got like some odd time signature stuff and some sophisticated changes and i just thought it wasn't coming across i felt like they're like i could play a position with the two of them that could like help move her intention <laughs> that's along. how you go for a band you know you guys are good you know if you feel like you could fit you're not, quite, you're not quite doing <laughs> yeah. it he's right. a handyman that's you're, I, think, you're, I think i can come in and make it better there's a certain spice <laughs> that you that, that you're missing right now you it's it's almost there i'm the spice let's go into <laughs> another song the group is intasar and we're enjoying them being in the studio and this is titled marzipan pan. or pan pan or pan pan i'm from the south <laughs> that's your excuse you for everything it's been seven days, thirteen hours and forty minutes since the wrecking ball made its descent. Writing ransom notes for I'm missing anecdotes. Into SARS, the name of the band, Marzipan. Marzipan. Beautiful. That's name right. of the Beautiful. song. It is absolutely gorgeous, and I can hear a lot of the Tori Amos and uh, Lorena McKennett type influence. You, I'm curious, growing up in, um, you know, with the, the different background, the ethnicity background, did you get a lot of the different styles of music being played in the household? When I was growing up, my whenever I was with my father, which would be about a month out of the year, I would get introduced to a lot of Arab singers. Like he played Um Kultum all the time, so just the kind of powerful female vocal with very heavy percussion, and I don't know, I really connected with that. And I kind of got the same thing from Lorena McKennett, mm -hmm. actually, mm -hmm. just really solid, powerful vocal. So that's what I always aspire to but it doesn't always come across. And one thing that we that we like to ask, uh, especially female leads, you know, uh, in a band, it's um, we try to have as many through here as we can because we try to really support that. I know but there's still just not enough. There's not enough out there. Yeah, thanks, Voxy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what is the experience like for you going to the clubs and playing, uh, you know, arriving with the band and so forth? Do you feel there's any, uh, do you get treated differently or you feel there's any kind of, um, you know, like, uh, you know, miscommunication to where you're like, oh, are, are you on the list? Are you one of the band's girlfriends, you know, yeah. or are you a mm -hmm. part of the roadie crew or 
How does that experience for you as a as a female playing in you know around the scene? So far, I haven't noticed much of a difference. I usually am the only female to touch a state the stage at any given night, and I've, I've noticed <laughs> that, and that kind of saddens me. There's no discrimination. They treat her as crappy as they treat us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Solidarity. I've noticed, however, like when I go in, if I were to go into like a guitar center or something with. Um, either of my bandmates or any guy in general you get waited they on always, sooner no they always talk to the guy oh and they always assume that I'm just the girl with the guy right. and I'm like actually no I need the oh, guitar yeah. strings so, I'm the one that's are you here right. to uh, you know are you getting your girlfriend a guitar yeah. or what you should we have here? some like heart guitar straps if you want with like some <laughs> sparkles on it yeah I'm like thanks there's so, a my little pony or yeah I actually got to see these guys live for a very brief period. Mm-hmm. I was we had sad a fire about. dancer. It was well, yeah. you you were at the show. You remember Deanna, mm-hmm. the one that put out Tabitha's fire? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she was she was dancing. She was fire dancing to them at the show. And um, what it was was it was that uh, old Rainier Brewery art walk. Oh yeah, that we yep. did uh, back in October. Yeah. We do have and, another um, one coming up too in January. So at the same place? Yes, yeah, same place. Right on. So so anyway, the way it was set up was we all went downstairs. Uh, we were outside because the fire dancers were going to get started. And there's like the a, the big kind of garage freight door that opens up in the side of the building. And they were inside playing. But the way it was, because there was a crowd there watching the fire dancing going on. So I could see the fire dancer, but the band was kind of scooched off to the right side so I didn't even see that there was a live band at first oh you saw I was just watching whatever I was just watching Deanna do her fire stuff with and I was hearing music and I thought that they were just playing the music I did and and I told somebody and everybody was like "Ooh, ah the fire dancer and I was like oh man I I really like this song this is a cool (laughs) song and so I started inching and closer and then I realized there was a band playing and that's and I had to get back up for my performance and I was like here take my card I'm gonna get you on the show here you know hurry take this card so yeah, yeah. well we're glad to have them here Intasar and you can go to their website Intasar Jubran is that correct Jubran. yes I Jubran. might need to spell that for yeah you. please do he's from the south alright <laughs> <laughs> so it's spelled I-N-T-I-S-A-A-R J-U-B-R-A-N Intasar Jabron. All you have to do is click their picture on our website and it will take you straight to it. They're going to be at the Can Can on January 22nd. That is at Pike Place uh, in downtown Seattle. It's absolutely beautiful music. I I, I hope you guys uh, continue on in in this way that you're going. It's we need more like that. That's one thing we really enjoy about the music scene here in the Northwest is it's so diverse, and you guys add f- much flavor to it. It's it's fantastic, and we're looking forward to uh, a couple of live songs you're going to do in the studio. And so we're going to pause here for a second. We're going to get that all set up, yes. and um, we will be hearing from Intasar in a moment. In the meantime, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having us. Hello, this is Intasar, and we're about to play Delicate Flame. We were 
both too young to know the difference And we haunted the shadows as one But I've grown a new eye to see you with See you shed your skin Tassar right there. That is some beautiful stuff. Fantastic. Hey, and they were letting us know, too, while they were in here, that they have the opportunity to go down to L.A. and record with Michael Blue, who produced Jason Mraz, Michelle Branch. Um, They have a site up at Indiegogo.com. That's I-N-D-I-E. Gogo.com, uh, where they're trying to raise some funds so that yeah. they can actually go down there and do that. And you would look that up as Intasar Music Fund. Again, that's the link I on am. their website as well. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, if you feel like helping out local artists, uh, and drop they're them awesome, a dime. Man. Yeah, they're very, If they very could work good. with a producer like that, that, that makes gonna, a big difference in a Very, music very career. beautiful sound. She's a beautiful gal. They're a great band. And uh, Intasar, everybody. All right. Hey, switching gears. Ready for some madness, some like crazy out of the box thinking. That's Ed Hamill. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Hamill on trial. He is coming, to, he's Tacoma. coming to Tacoma. Yeah, he'll be here on Friday. We'll talk about that in the interview. This is the madman, the mind. All right, everybody on the line with us is an amazing talent that is coming to the Tempest Lounge here in Tacoma on Friday. His name is Ed Hamill. It's Hamill on trial. He's a machine gun of common sense. He has uh, an amazing way with words, song. Uh, he's also a great artist, man. I was checking out his paintings. This dude's talented all around. And uh, he's from the East Coast, spent some time in Texas, which is where I'm from. So you got to love that. Ed, welcome to the program. Thanks. How are you? Thanks for having me. It's good. It's, everything's wonderful. And we're, look, we're excited about you coming to Tacoma. A lot of people I know are going to head down to the Tempest Lounge. Also want to let people know you're in Portland on the 7th at the Mississippi Pizza, and then you're also in Bellingham on the 10th at the Green Frog Tavern. Tell us a little about about what's going on on your tour. I know you're down in San Francisco right now, working your way up to us. How are things going for you? You know, good. It's only been, um, this is really only the third date of the tour. I did uh, Los Angeles, and that was a great night, actually. And then uh, the next night was a private function for... uh, you know, I, I kind of came be, 
just after Austin, when I lived in Austin, I got signed to Mercury. I came to New York City because I'd grown up upstate New York, actually, and they have a, they have a scene there, the anti-folk scene, which, uh, I don't know, back <laughs> probably started, we do know, back. <laughs> What's that? I said anti-folk, I and, love it. <laughs> anti-folk, yeah, oh, okay. And came to Dawson from the Wally Pieces, and we're there. So that was, it was this guy's 40th birthday party, and he, and a, he had it last night in a Buddhist meditation center. <laughs> so it was me and uh, Kimmy Dawson and a bunch of the anti-folk thing. It was great. It was a great night. So this is really only the third date. Uh, I did. I had to do some radio earlier today, and things are good. Now, for those of you who, for those out there who aren't familiar with uh, Hamill on trial, it is th- this get guy. Get familiar. Yeah, you need to get familiar. And we're, we're going to play a clip uh, after the interview of Ed doing his thing, and it's going to floor you. So stick around for that. T- All right. Thanks. Are you guys, do you have the FCC breathing down your neck? We do not. We can play. Oh, you don't? No, okay. do whatever we the hell we want. We can do what the fuck we want, Ed. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So we can play songs. Play the Go nuts. Play the M. Coulter song. Fuck it. <laughs> uh, or Pussy or Crack Bar or whatever we want. <laughs> take us in, right. take us. It. Take us into your mind, though. Um, it is a... I'm trying to step into the mind of Ed Hamill for a second, and it seems like it is like a chaotic. Um, Put just, on your hip waders, just man. A, an amazing array of of complete common sense, and, and told to everybody in this like a crazy acoustic style where you are just like like I said, like a machine gun, just frothing out stuff that we should already know that we do know, and you, it's like you're just reminding us of how things should be. Yeah, I get, you know, well, it's, first of all, thanks. I mean, that's, it's nice, and it's very flattering what you're saying. For, those, for the uninitiated that were coming to the show, and uh, here's some important thing. You know, it isn't preachy. There's no, I mean, I don't know if there's any message. It's fun. The show is fun. There's a lot of laughter. I mean, I do, uh, I, com- I guess, for lack of a better term, I combine a lot of elements. There's, there's the songs. Some of them are funny. Some of them I would like to believe are poignant. There is some narrative that strings the songs. There's a lot of jokes and kind, you know. So if you were like hypothetically, if you were a comedy fan and in a comedy more of a like a Lenny Gross or a Richard Pryor or Bill Hicks, you might get a zing out of the show. If you were like a one, you know, spoken word fan and you dug, um, I don't know, swimming to Cambodia or something like that, then you <laughs> might get a zing out of the show. If you, you know, if you like Bob Dylan with a lot of caffeine or Henry Rollins, you might get a thing out of the show. So there's a lot of elements and it's, you know, I guess it's theatrical based, you know, it's, it's not, the important thing is there is, you know, it's not a guy up there on a, on a soapbox preaching stuff. It's, it's a lot of fun and pretty irreverent. And yeah, I mean, I do point out truths, but I'm not telling anybody you know, anything they don't know. I don't think. Well, and I've watched uh, all of your YouTube clips and I, I'm just curious where, you get the energy. How do you get up every night for a show like that where, uh, I mean, you? it's just, even just watching the video, I was almost getting worn out. <laughs> you know, I mean, not to sound cliched, but I mean, I'm, I'm really, and you know, in light of, I'm doing this particular tour uh, very guerrilla. I'm, I'm hooking up with somebody in Seattle, so I'll have a tour manager after that. But prior to this, I, I was doing, I'm doing it like public transportation. I've you know, flew here, and then I'm going to take some trains and some buses. And, I, and now I'm kind of glad that I have. You know, typically I rent a car or I have a tour manager. We rent a car. But I'm, I'm, it's a little, it's definitely earthier this time. But in light of the current economy and in, in light of, and I tour the United States a lot. I've toured, you know, Europe a lot. But I, I tour the United States a lot. And, you know, I'm seeing things like I have never, and I've been doing it for, you know, 15 years. And I'm seeing things like I never saw them before, uh, how the economy is manifesting itself in, in people's lives. And, uh, uh, you know, it gives me, obviously, it gives me stuff to write about. That's the first thing. And um, uh, A lot know, of good I, material out I, there in the world, huh? <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, what, what you want, you try to stay hopeful, you try to stay positive, you try to say, you know, there's, a, what, there's an amazing tenacity and spirit in the country. You know? And we will, you know, address this, in Tacoma, but we will laugh. We will find ways to laugh about it. I give you my word. Awesome. Did you want to ask him about the Occupy movement? Oh, I just, uh, watching your clips and everything, and you have a lot of uh, great 
uh, political commentary and uh, you brought up yeah you brought up Bill Hicks it reminds me some of George Carlin stuff as well intermixed with music I think it's absolute amazing show that you put on and I was curious as to your um your take on the whole Occupy thing because they're addressing some of the things but there's kind of some weirdness going on too do you have an opinion on that well I mean obviously I yeah I find a lot of alliance with it you Mm -hmm. know and I I do I was I I do a little just a small thing on stage but I I just recently did a lengthy tour that went uh, oh god when I was a fourth Four or six thousand miles. It went. It went down from my home in New York to Atlanta. Then it cut over through Missouri, up to Wisconsin and back. So I did see a bunch of the city, you know, uh-huh. and or a bunch of the country. And um, so, uh, what was I going to say? So, so while in Missouri, there, there was the, I stayed in a place where the television was on all the time, which is unusual for me. And it was like an objective news show. And, you know, it was a good guy. It was, it was, it was, yeah, it was pretty objective, <laughs> whatever. I mean, it wasn't like a Fox or it wasn't even an MS, NSPC, but it was, it was like a little human interest story. And they were saying that they have been um, introducing to, to, in, the, in the country, in the United States, new books in the classroom uh, to help some of the kids that are going through this economic strife to sort of assimilate better. And they, then they cut to this third grade class and there's a teacher reading a book to the third grade about a little girl who's in, also in third grade, and she lives in her car with her mother and her father. So this now inspires one of the kids in the class, one of the little girls, who has been terrorized to tell her teacher and her peer group that she, in fact, lives in a tent with her oh. mother. And so now they, so the end of this, it sort of wraps up with this little girl who's incredibly wise for third grade, and I'm paraphrasing to some extent, but she, she said something to the effect of, uh, what did she say? She said, you know, the outpouring of kindness uh, was overwhelming. And it it reconfirmed my, you know, what I've always felt. It matters what's on the inside, not what you wear or what you own. Mm -hmm. So now, cut to the next day. I'm in Missouri, and i got nothing to listen to. But, I mean, I enjoy talk radio, and occasionally I listen to Rush Limbaugh because you're always curious as to what, you know, he's up to. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Your finger on the pulse of the enemy. So so Rush (laughs) is saying, you know, all these people down in Occupy New York, they... They don't have an agenda. They, they don't, you know, they, they've got, they're not articulating the message. It's a bunch of bullshit. And I'm thinking, no, Russ, I think what they're fucking saying is they don't want third graders to live in a fucking tent. There right. you go. Nice. Common oh, sense. Yeah. I love it. Absolutely. Hamill on trial. You that can, should be a t-shirt. You can <laughs> check him out at HamillTV.com. Uh, you have, what, eight, eight CDs, Ed? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm on uh, Ani DeFranco's uh, Righteous Babe label. Last three or four of them with her. Before that, I was on a major on Mercury. And uh, yeah, they're all there. And you know, I do, do a one man show called The Terrorism of Everyday Life, which we brought to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. I won some awards. So it's a, and I, I put up, I write a song a lot and put it up there. So oh, you know, no. there's a lot of You're a big stud, man. You're. You're a big stud, and we're looking forward to uh, seeing you at the Tempest Lounge here in Tacoma on Friday. Everybody, get your asses down oh, there. Oh, man, that place is going to be packed. Uh, Ed Hamill is going to rock your face off and uh, leave you slack-jawed and wanting more. Ed, and it's a I, small, intimate venue, so yeah, it's, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. Ed, I know you have to get on stage and do your thing, brother, but thank you so much for taking time out, and we will definitely see you on Friday at the Tempest Lounge. Thank you. Thanks an awful lot. I appreciate the support. I mean it sincerely. Awesome. We'll see you uh, in a couple of days. Good luck. Yeah. Okay. See you guys. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. That's it for hour number one. We're going to leave you with a little bit of Ed Hamill. This is the craziness titled. Buyer beware. Let's see. (laughs) See you in hour number. Titled what? See you in hour number two. and there are many the fundamentalists and the jihads and the suicide bombers and the immigrants and the christian right and the ku klux klan and the militia and the global warming and the child abductions the credit card debt the high blood pressure the manic depression the school shootings the semolina the west nile the bird flu the killer bees the cancer the computer virus the shock shocks the homeless what that motherfucker tom cruise is doing to that poor sweet katie (laughs) 
Out of all that stuff, here's one that I've heard the other day, and I, I think some of you ladies will appreciate this. They said on the news, this is true, people, that if you participate in oral sex, you have a 250% higher chance of world cancer. Fuck jihads, people. That is terrorism striking right here, baby. We were talking about this in Philly. And it met with a resounding cheer, but I like nothing better than eating pussy. Oh, it's a point I'll make resoundingly clear. What am I talking about? Pussy. 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 A pussy, 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 pussy all night long. Now, if it goes over this well in Philly, will it go over well in the Midwest? Will different regions get territorial about their pussy and say that their pussy tastes best? Maybe we should set up a contest, have judges come lick one by one. I can't remember how the West Coast ranked, but it was right on the tip of my tongue. What am I talking about? Pussy. 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 A pussy, 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 I'm not long. Hey, the show's not for everybody. What are you going to fucking do? If you love it, why can't you admit it? Is it subordinate? Not one little bit. I'm here to tell it's romantic as hell spending hours on a hardening clip. My wife had 70 hours of labor. She never wants to see the penis again. So this muscle in my mouth has so often had itself I could jack up your car, my friend. Some women come very delicately, the sheets moist like the morning dew. And other women come like Niagara Falls by the bed you can park your canoe. So give me my snorkel and goggles. I'm gonna rough it to the tide receipts. That's how much I love eating pussy and satisfying both of our needs. What am I talking about? Pussy. 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 Everybody likes this but gay guys. They're like, what's the big deal? So in conclusion, I highly recommend it. It's morally and spiritually top rated. It's also good to find a significant other of like mine so you can be orally reciprocated. Now what was I talking about? Thank you. Pussy! 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 Pussy, 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 and I lie.